3: are back for another episode of the Oak Road Hatter podcast and we are fresh after last night's excellent performance and 5-0 result against Coventry City. I'm Billy Mully, and today I'm joined by Stephen Day and Jamie Castle to dissect last night before we look ahead to Saturday's
4: clash with Huddersfield Town. First of all fellas, how are we? Really good after last
0: night, so good.
4: Yeah, pr- pretty good as you can imagine, um, smiling all more so yeah fantastic. Yes it was
3: definitely a brilliant performance yesterday brilliant result as well big performances from players all across the pitch it's, it's quite difficult to actually pick out some of the better players um, but we'll, we'll take it back to the very start which was what were your thoughts going into the game and, and when that starting lineup came out?
0: So I, when I saw that lineup, I was thinking we've gone quite defensive, and I was thinking, well, Coventry are quite attacking, and, and I was a little bit worried that we weren't going to be going for it as much as what we ended up doing, and especially with uh, what was it Guy Correz or whatever the guy is called, um, for Coventry their, their striker that scored like a, a good few this season. I can't remember specifically how much, but like, he's been in form and. I thought it was a good way to set up to stop them from scoring, but I was just a little bit worried like with how we've not had our clinical side really show recently, but obviously completely, you know, proven wrong by it. And yeah, I was obviously when I saw Glenn Ray in the start of night, I was like thinking, Oh God, like even, even though I love him, I was like, oh, God, how, like, how how's he, how have we got to the point where Glenn Ray has to start? And then, Again, nicely surprised, a good a good way to be proven wrong. Yeah, and, and I think we've all
4: come to expect now that Nathan does tend to match teams up at this level now. I mean, Coventry have two fantastic win-backs with, with Mattson and Kane, and I think Matson is up there in terms of chance, chance created the season. So I think that definitely contributes to why he went with the back three. Um, and yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Obviously... The stick that Glen Ray has got so far, or, 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 or before last night, um, raise a few eyebrows. But ultimately, I think I saw a, um, a a comment from Nathan after the game that whenever Nathan wants a clean sheet, he, he relies on Glen Ray, and and he, he may not be the most fluid or the most energetic, or I mean, frankly, frankly he's the opposite to what to, to what we've what we've gone 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 for this summer with regards to who he brought in. Um, but what he does do, when he's on it, he does very well. He breaks the play up, he wins the ball back. Um, and I thought last night, he it, it was great at doing that.
3: And Jamie, just looking at Callum O'Hare, who's obviously been such an important player for them this season, do you think bringing in Ray had something to do with sort of nullifying his influence on the game and stopping him coming in short, receiving the ball and, and
4: orchestrating play from there? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I think I, I, I was I um, turned to my granddad last night and about fifteen minutes and I saw Glenn Ray sort of every couple of seconds was checking to see where he was. And likewise with Clark and, and Hamer. So I'm 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 pretty sure um Nathan tried to to man mark their midfield last night. So I'm not sure was it Allen who started as as well alongside Hamer. So I'm pretty sure Barry was 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 marking Allen, Clark against Hamer and Ray against O'Hare. Um and I think that they were pretty much on, on them all night. Um, and it makes sense because Nathan also said that he knows that Cross midfield, again, are very energetic. So we, that the three were chosen to try to nullify that midfield and, and they did so perfectly.
3: So I think we can draw a lot of similarities really to the performance against Swans in the first half. Obviously, going ahead three goals up inside half an hour, there was sort of an emphasis on using the pace of Cornick, getting him behind it and winning sort of the second balls with, with Barry and Clark. So with the fourth goal going in, did that completely change the complex or, or were you still a little bit nervous that Coventry could get sort of themselves back
0: into the game and, and perhaps get a result? I was, I was still nervous and I think most fans were a little bit, but I was thinking at 3-0, if Coventry get one back, that's where we'll have problems. But if we can get another one before before half time, we'll be all right. And um yeah, after after that half an hour over three now, I was thinking, please don't let them score. Just just don't let them score. And if they do, hopefully it'll be like <clears throat> right before half time. So it breaks their moment, momentum up a little bit, and it means we could probably come out and you know, maybe pretend that we're not actually winning 3-1. could be winning, you know, 1-0 or something and go for it again. But luckily we, you know, eased those worries with that fourth goal.
3: And then, obviously, we
0: went on, scored in the 58th
3: minute to make it 5-0 through Cornick, which was quite mad, really, because his chance against Swansea, that could have made it 4-0, came in the 58th minute. So it was almost an immediate chance to redeem himself if you call it that so how important was that goal when it went in and did you expect us to sort of push back after that or were you surprised that we we continued pressing high and creating the best opportunities to add a sixth
4: Uh, uh, for me I'm not surprised at all I think that the the manner of of an Nathan James side this season so so far is that we just relentless. I mean, last night you taken off Eli and Cornick and bringing on Jerome and Carlos, and they just carried on the press, and it was like it was the same players on the pitch, but just back like like it's just it was crazy. Um, and on on the Cornick point, it's a good point. To be fair, I, I didn't I didn't think about the missed chance against Swansea. Um, so absolutely, it was it was a chance to redeem himself a little bit, but ultimately we shouldn't have lost a three 0 lead. Um. But I'm just delighted for him. I think he's he's got a lot of stick this season and and his his actual match play has been phenomenal this season. He's been absolutely fantastic and he's deserved that so much. He's he's so influential in, in, in the way he drives us up the pitch, the way he helps our press f- from the front. Um, so if there's one man in the team that deserved the, the plaudits from last night is
0: Harry Cornick. That goal for him... Obviously, the the first goal for him and the assists were so important for his confidence. And um, obviously, getting another one to make it sure is always a good thing. But yeah, I think for for Harry calling it's just wonderful that he's got two goals and two assists in a game. And it just shows why we've trusted him for so long, even though he messes up that trust every now and again. I think, you know, this season could be somehow his breakout season at this level you know and um, obviously not a breakout season because he's you know what 26 i think 27 yeah. yeah i think yeah i think so yeah yeah so but hopefully he just carries his form on because we need him to be playing like this week in week out and if he does then and if we don't get promoted then it could just be a nice little bit of money from him if we if he gets sold to a higher end championship club or Premier League, but I don't think he's Premier League quality. But yeah,
4: I guess just going on on your trust point though, Stephen. Like, yeah, I, I guess it is really frustrating when he misses those chances. But I think what I it's...
0: meant was more trust in yeah. front of goal because you can always yeah. trust him to put a shift in, but it's more the trust yeah. in front of goal to put to put a game to bed or to get a goal back or. Yeah, that's that's more yeah, what i
4: meant. I, I guess for me is that if if he was to convert those chances and get like fifteen, twenty goals a season, he 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 is Premier League quality. His actual, oh yeah, play, yeah, yeah exactly, he's fantastic. If if you think of, think about the way Leeds play in terms of their man marking and their pressing system, him in him in that system would be fantastic. It, yeah, all he needs to do is add goals to his game, and, and he's that quality.
0: Yeah.
3: Well, Jamie, don't give Leeds any ideas because we (laughs) want to keep him as as long as possible. But yes, in terms of yesterday's performance, I think, is there any right, is there sort of any rationale to be thinking that Premier League clubs could be sniffing around Atabayo? Still 23 years old, brilliant performance last night. He's bossing defences and obviously at the the age he is, he's he's still got many years of, of doing what he does best.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a, a bit a bit soon. I think he, he's still very raw, um, as as Bournemouth showed. Um, but there's absolutely no doubt in that he will be a Premier League player at some point in his career. He's um, he's got everything that he needs to be a fantastic, world class striker. Um, but he just needs to keep developing in our system. And obviously, we'd love we'd love to see him see him about with us for three to five years and get us to the Prem. But if if in two years' time we're we're a playoff chasing side, but don't quite do it, then he probably will get that move to the Prem and best luck to him if he does. But for now, he just needs to buckle down and keep developing because he's still really raw. But he's um, he, yeah, he's, he's fantastic.
3: And we'll quickly go on to a few more players. I don't want to try and mention them all because it, it was a very very good performance from pretty much everybody yesterday. But Sonny Bradley returned to the side and. We
0: get a clean sheet. Is there any coincidence there? Yeah. Well. Yeah. No. I don't know what it, is. it just. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it makes sense that he's in he's in the squad and we get a clean sheet. And I was saying this for the Swansea game. If he's, if he's in there, in the in the back three or five or four whatever, we've got our heads at the back. We've got calm and we've got like uh, we're solidified at the back. So. You know, he was sort of a key man for keeping the clean sheet last night.
3: And then I I, I tweeted about this because I I was really impressed. We've we've spoken about Ray already and how he's got criticism, but James Bree as well, when Peter Chioso went, he got a lot of criticism. But yesterday, it, it wasn't just his ability to get down the wings and energy it was the little passes he's he's played in for players like Berry and Clark to progress the play. Are we seeing the best of Bree at the moment?
4: Absolutely. And I'm I'm really pleased you mentioned him because I think the, the amount of people that were that were just moaning about why we let Close go. Um, he's better than Bree. He's not he's not better than Bree. He can be better than Bree, but he's not better than Bree. James Bree on his days is, is a fantastic championship fullback ring back. Um, and he showed last night, like the, the composure. I mean, that that, that that first of all, that little dink from Lockyer over the top to Bree was fantastic. But, but just the way Bree took his time, composed himself, he he knew that he knew that the ball was going to slow down, and, and he get there, looked up, picked the pass, and was a fantastic cross. And he's a fantastic Championship uh, fullback, and um, yeah, he, he absolutely can can put in more games like last night.
0: And um, I'm really happy for him as well because he said that the Luton fans will see the best of him this season. We are now. And it's, you know, it's absolutely brilliant that he's come out and claimed that and he's living up to it as well. And it's, you know, going to do his confidence wonders as well. So it's just a win-win, really.
3: Definitely. And then going back to the initial team lineup. I know we didn't get a run-out yesterday, but Alan Campbell... Was back on the bench, and it's only 18 days after he suffered ligament damage. So, how impressive has his return? His return to to be in the squad. How impressive
4: is that? Fantastic, great news. I mean, I, I was expecting three months, and the fact that he's he's back back in this side the same month that that he, that he was out of it is, um, yeah, fantastic.
0: Yeah, I'm happy as well, considering that we've got. Um, Pelly just gone out. Obviously, they're not the same player, but just means it's just someone back in, in midfield. And yeah, we're not looking as light as what we were, especially with the addition of Thorpe as well. Um, in midfield, we have got a little bit more, a little bit more strength in there now.
3: Yeah, it's a good point because at, at the beginning of the season, there was a little bit, well, not the beginning of the season, pre-season, there was a little bit of apprehension that perhaps we didn't have midfielders there. But if you think of we played three there yesterday in Ray, Clark and Berry all Olshun, Lansbury was on the bench. Campbell was on the bench. Thorpe is not quite yet up to speed and Pelly Ruddock is also injured. So we've got some brilliant options there and that is very exciting. And there was this whole sort of, not debate, but there was a lot of discussion about this, this midfielder coming in, a marquee signing. And when that didn't happen, was there any right to be annoyed about that or or because I
0: don't don't think being annoyed is the right way to look at it It was like more just a bit of like concern it was like Nathan has said that there could be something happening there should be for whatever reason it didn't work out and it was more just a worry of if we do get injuries which we have had now it was just we're going to be a little bit weak in the field and when he talks about athleticism and all that if we've got players constantly going out for injuries like obviously they're they're, they're good athletes on the pitch but if they're getting in, injured then it's like it's going to leave us a weak and it's you know he's not exactly living up to that but obviously we've got Thorpe in now and it's it's you know going to help a lot and I think another point that was um, made was that people didn't think Barry was good enough and I think some of us even probably doubted him a little bit. Obviously, Dylan did, never did, but um, we we thought, is he really going to be good enough? And then now, he looks brilliant. Was brilliant last yeah. night, and it's almost as if, like, I think someone mentioned this, like, he's kind of like a new signing a little bit because he's popped up with two goals against Blackburn, one last night. Uh, what was it one against or two against uh, Swansea? And it's just, yeah absolutely brilliant and it's yeah I'm just happy that he's you know showing that he's worth being in the side and we didn't let him go yeah the thing I want to say I'm...
3: is about the, the whole injury situation because it's it's a thing that hasn't gone away we had a lot at the start of the season and then we seem to be in a better position and they've sort of come to haunt us again not haunt us because we, we've adapted well but there's still a lot of players sidelined at the moment but given the way that we press, do you think we're sort of creating those injuries because of how hard we train and how... how Do you think that's going to be a common feature this season because of perhaps how hard we do train and that kind of thing?
0: Well, I think Jones came out and said um, on Thursday... Uh, not on Thursday. Um, used to the the pre-match presses being on Thursday. Um, like the other day, I can't remember when it was, um, that he might have to change how he trains the players and he's going to have to give them extra days off so that we don't carry on getting injuries, which, you know, I see as a teeny bit of a problem because it's like that shouldn't be happening. But, yeah. And then the last thing I want to say
3: about this game, because we could honestly be speaking about this for a very, very long time. Um, in, In last night's presser after the game, Harry Cornick came to speak to us. And he said that he views us as a top six
4: side. Is that something that
3: we all agree with?
4: Absolutely. I mean, I think for me, I was pretty bullish pre-season that we could make top six. And funnily enough, even before last night, despite the results, I was even more confident that we could be a top six side. Because, like, of course, last night we were fantastic. But it was no different to how we played the season. You mentioned Swansea the first half. We were fantastic. Peterborough, we were fantastic. Bournemouth away, second half, we were unbelievable. Like it's not it, it's not a new performance for us. We've played like that a lot for a lot of minutes this season. Um so yeah, results haven't been going our way. Bristol City away, we were fantastic and we should we should have won. Blackburn away, two mistakes, but after that, we were fantastic. Like it is it's not a new performance. Um so yeah, don't want to don't want to get carried away. The, the performance last night was fantastic, but that doesn't make us the best side in the world. Just like the losses before that didn't mean that 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 we were the worst side in the world. Um, but it's what I'm going to say is let's, let's just let's just enjoy it. We're, we're Luton Town in the Championship, five the top six. I don't want to keep referring to where, to where we've come from, but just look where we've come from. Let let's all just just enjoy what we're about to witness in in over the next couple of years. Yeah, what? Yeah, saying,
3: I. He's going with that never too high,
0: never too low. That's instilled. Yeah, still. Yeah, when I was when when we lost five 0 to Birmingham, I was thinking, I'm upset, but I'm not going to sit here and worry about relegation, and I'm not going to you know worry that the team isn't good enough for the championship and have a go at Nathan and all that. I was like, it's it's the championship. It happens, and then same like. You know opposite side of it last night I'm thinking it was a brilliant win but I'm not gonna sit there and think we are gonna get top six we will get it we will you know challenge for the top end of the of the championship um I'm just gonna take it as it comes really. I don't think last night shows that we're one of the better sides in the championship I don't think that the five nil loss would have showed that we were one of, the, one of the worst sides in the championship it was just just little anomalies and the way I said it last night as well. If we'd lost one nil to Birmingham and one one nil last night, it's the same same thing in the end, really. It's just yeah, and, uh, it was a more dramatic fashion. And I think just to add as well. I think if if you
4: look at Brentford as a model, like they were a very good Championship side for about four seasons. Mm. They, they, yeah. they, they went through their rotation of Andre Gray, Neil Maupai, Ollie Watkins, Ivan Tony across four years and they were a, a very, very good championship side and it took them four years to, to get to get up. And we're probably in our first season of, of that at the minute. It, it might take us two, it might take us six, but let's just enjoy some very, very good championship football. Yeah, exactly.
0: Entertaining, that. very entertaining championship football. Yes, and talk
3: about entertaining football we'll go on to our next contest which is back at Kenwood Mm. Road on Saturday we're up against Huddersfield Town who have started the season relatively well I think a lot of people I think a couple of us included when we did our pre-season predictions expected them to be pretty much down there or or actually in the relegation zone but they've actually made quite a decent start winning again 3-2 against Blackburn Rovers midweek so there's a lot to be happy about with their start but is it a difficult time to come to Kenilworth Road do you think or because of how inconsistent they've been do you think they won't be viewing other how other teams have been doing as sort of a, a factor in their their approach
0: they'll probably be thinking of it as let's hope the Birmingham Luton turns up and not the Coventry Luton turns up it's that same thing of like whatever whatever team turns up it'll be either not easy for them but it'll be quite hard for them but yeah i think i think they'll be thinking they'll be quite worried that uh we could easily batter them in the first 30 minutes again we just need to keep those energy levels up and we can easily get a win from it and Jamie, looting, so how disappointed will you be <clears> if you're not free now up
4: inside 30 minutes uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're quite used to it now, aren't we? But um, now, that, I mean, I, I was saying to my mate as I walked out at the ground last night, I don't care how we win Saturday, we just need to win now. I think if we can go into the break six from six at home, um, that, that would be fantastic. So I would take a scrappy 1-0 Matty Pierce home goal. That would that, be fine. And do we stick with a similar lineup? Do we sort
3: of mm-hmm. stick to the five at the back? I think that's how they've been faring up at the moment with um, Matty Pearson, as you say, who will be eager to impress on his return to Kenilworth Road, obviously get a great reception for what he's done with the club. They've got Levi Colwell as well, who's an excellent talent, but 18 years
4: old. So do you reckon we're yeah. to match them up? I think we have to, yeah. I think... Uh, it's hard to change a system after, no. after a game like last night. And like you say, I, I, I think they play a, a back three as well. Um, and I think one of our biggest strengths at the minute that's going under the radar is the wide centre-backs. I mean, Lockyer and Naismith are fantastic. In the second half, the back three was so wide that they were almost full-back. It was almost sunny in the middle on his own with Naismith and Lockyer... Fullbacks, and then Brie and Buck Bell were up, sort of like left and right mids. Um, yeah. So I think that I think that's a big strength for us, and Nathan and Lockyer can bomb on as well. So I think, as it stands, that is one of our biggest, sort of underestimated strengths. So let, let's just just go with it.
0: And with yeah, I think
3: uh, Stephen, I think. What they've got at the moment, I just mentioned there, but with Matty Pearson obviously coming back to Kenworth Road, Colwell as well, who's a very young player. They've been playing Tommy Lees, who is a player that got relegated with Sheffield Wednesday last year. So, is this another opportunity for that front of Adebayo and Cornick to, to run riot?
0: I hope so. I hope so. But we just, as I said, we've just got to turn up really and, and put the same pressure on and put the same um, energy into the into the match as what we did last night and if we go out there and are relentless then there's absolutely no reason why we can't score one or two in the first half hour, 45 minutes um, but what I think what we're hoping to see again is uh, if Huddersfield aren't good uh passing the ball around the back, we've got a very good chance of taking advantage of that once again and um, yeah it's just a matter of keeping those energy levels up and just make sure we don't let them score either
3: and what do you expect to see from Huddersfield what, what threats do you see them having obviously but Thomas has been excellent this start to the season getting their Wales cool up as well Josh Caroma has been excellent for them um, where do you see sort of their attacking brilliance
4: to come from yeah I think you've basically just nailed it there Billy I think I've not seen an awful lot of them this season um and I get the impression that they're probably trending above where they probably should be in terms of points deserved um but Sorba Thomas has sort of come out of nowhere almost I think he was a Bournemouth uh recently um started really really well um, Josh Karoma I think was out injured f- for some time and is now back fit and, and, and getting back to what he was pre-injury um, so I think they've got some really good individuals um, but I just think if, if we're at home against Huddersfield who are, are a good side but a, a, a beatable side um, I, I, I think it it should be a game that we should should be able to impose ourselves on them
3: Definitely, definitely. And, and as you say, Huddersfield are very close to us and in terms of points. Inconsistent start. I guess you can sort of, judging by our results, you'd probably draw the same conclusions. But definitely going to be another interesting matchup. So we'll come to you, Stephen, with your score prediction. 4-2, Luton. <laughs> Bloody hell, mate. That <laughs> 4-0 at time, and then to to uh Huddersfield goals in re- response or is that how you see it panning up?
0: or just however it happens just just entertaining just entertaining that's how i see it Jamie, that or be a stupid 1-0 loss
3: <laughs> well i hope it's not the latter and um we'll come to you Jamie
4: i think after seeing last night if if Cordran does his homework he'll probably come to us and shut up shop shut up. so i'm going to go for it. A one-nil Luton win.
3: I'm going to go for a two-nil win, but I'm not entirely sure how the game will pan out. I'm, I'm very confused by this one because obviously, I, I imagine that teams will start doing their homework, as you say, on on sort of the threats we would pose, sort of winning those second balls and and maybe eliminating the threat that way. But we've got every right to be confident at the moment.
4: Yeah, and I think Huddersfield have, have players that can really frustrate. Like Matty Pearson is one. He can just really just break up the play. He can just be a bit of an idiot. He can just... You know, he will come to us and he will frustrate the life out of us on Saturday. You, you can expect that. And that's the sort of game that, I, that I'm expecting.
3: We're also back with Opposition View today. And with me, we have Huddersfield town reporter for Football League World, Alfie Burns. Alfie, how are you? am yeah, very well. Thanks, Billy. How are you getting on? Yes, I'm doing well, especially as I am fresh off reporting Luton's 5-0 victory yesterday. And it's a result that shocked many. And do you, do you
5: see it that way? Do you see it as a result that you did not see coming? No, no, not at all. I think Coventry have, have obviously enjoyed a really good start to the season. And, and just speaking off air with you then, Luton have been very unpredictable. And, and whilst you could maybe... So I see a Luton victory potentially coming, given that unpredictability. I think the convincing scoreline that was there sort of was one of the standout results in the championship this season so far. And going on to Huddersfield and and from what
3: you've seen so far, what do you make of their season? Because we've spoken there about Luton being unpredictable. Is that sort of unpredictability factor and sort of
5: inconsistency? Is that two words you associate with Huddersfield so far? Yeah, definitely I, I can see similarities between the two clubs at this moment in time. I think, although Huddersfield's unpredictable unpredictability, sorry, maybe hasn't been quite of the same sort of level as Luton's, that they've still had some sort of rogue results in there alongside some very good ones. They've obviously been on the end of you know a heavy scoreline against Fulham, but they've also picked up decent wins, you know, along along the way and absolutely thumped Reading at home before the, the first international break. So yeah, I think that when it comes to Huddersfield you either get a side that's really on top of the game with the pressing and the transitions in possession, or you get a side that's a little bit sideways and a little bit you know, lacking creativity. I think if you get on top of Huddersfield's key creative outlets, then, then they're a little bit sideways and a little bit passive and, and it's quite easy to defend against. So it's either one thing or the other at the minute with Huddersfield, which sort of feels the case with Luton as well.
3: Yeah, as you say, it's two sort of similar stories so far. And with Huddersfield, they are seventh, same points as Blackburn on in six, sorry. Goals galore in their games at the moment. So can we class Huddersfield as genuine promotion contenders or top six contenders this
5: year? Is that something that you can see happening as the season progresses? At this moment in time, I'm still of sort of the thought that Huddersfield are, are a middle-of-the-road side in the Championship. I think that if you'd have asked me at the start of the season what their aim would be, I think that most supporters would have even said it's it's survival given you know the way that the summer panned out and things like that but they've had a positive start and I think that that now the ambition can be finishing mid-table and, and anything sort of above where they were last season where they were where they were looking over the shoulders quite anxiously towards the end of the season would be a, a step in the right direction obviously the next point that you're looking from mid-table up the table to towards the top six for me I don't think Huddersfield are at that level I think that there's probably eight or ten teams that are, that are a lot better than them and a lot better equipped to, to sustain a push from the top six. But Huddersfield's you know, last promotion to the Premier League comp- came completely against the odds and, and came off the back of a good start to the season. Think back to 2016-17. I think at this point of the season, everyone will have been saying that they'll eventually run out of steam and fall away and be comfortable in mid-table. But but they they thrived on being the underdog. And I think that if they get themselves into a position later in the season where they're still in, with a chance of the top six, then and then I think that they'll happily take on that tag again of being underdogs. You know that's that's a long way away though. And what I've seen of Huddersfield this season so far, they're a little bit inconsistent. And I think that sides that are that that little bit inconsistent with without the real star quality, you know, Huddersfield don't have a lot of star quality. They're very much reliant on on seven or eight players performing well to get a decent result. I don't think that they're going to have enough to to really push a uh, push a top six challenge this season.
3: And looking at Huddersfield going forward, they've scored 16 in 10 games, quite a, a, one of the better offensive records in the division. What kind of threats do you see Huddersfield causing Luton? Who are sort of the key players to look
5: out for? Yeah, I think the, the first name you've got to mention has to be Sauber Thomas. Obviously, he's been called up into the Wales squad for the upcoming international break, uh, sort of his trajectory since, since the turn of the year has been, been fantastic. He's gone from Boreham Wood in the National League to to Huddersfield Town and in the Championship and then Wales on the international stage. He's had a really good start to the season, another two assists against Blackburn. In the week, his set-piece delivery is fantastic. His his crossing ability from the right-wing-back role is also very good. So that's one to keep an eye on. Um, Lewis O'Brien, Harry Toffolo and Josh Caroma have a really good understanding on the opposite side of the pitch there. They may be a little bit less direct than Thomas in terms of his running and, and set piece delivery and, and general delivery and open play. But they've they've got a few, you know, intricate passing, you know, players that they that they run between the, the three of them on that left-hand side. And that's something to watch out for. Um, and then there's also Dan Elsinane who who plays in the sort of number 10 role for Huddersfield and, and drifts out onto the right. He's a really intelligent player. He's on loan from Norwich, he's, he's not really made... Much of a name for himself at Carrow Road, but he's he's been pretty impressive for Huddersfield so far this season. And and he's another one to watch. But of course, you know, I think the main the main thing with Huddersfield is, you know, apart from open play, the set piece pieces very, very good. And that and that stems from Sanani and Thomas. And they've obviously got towering centre halves, the likes of Tom Lee's Nabisar, Matty Pearson. And I'm not sure what kind of combination they'll they'll be playing at centre back this weekend, but but there's There's players there that are really good in the air and with the delivery that that Thomas and Sinani have been uh, producing from from set-piece situations, it's something that Luton are definitely going to have to be wary of.
3: Yes, as Luton fans will know, Matty Pearson is obviously a a real aerial threat and a player that scored a lot of important goals for Luton and someone that will get a very good reception come Saturday. And speaking about that defensive line, because obviously... Luton know all about Pearson Harry Cornick yesterday was joking about that he knows all his weaknesses and we use that on, on Saturday to to try and expose him how how impressed have you been with the back line is that something that's been sort of a, a factor that's helped Huddersfield succeed this year or is that something
5: that you're looking at and thinking it's a bit shaky it's something that needed addressing after last season. Huddersfield had the worst defensive record in the championship last year and, and it wasn't helped by injuries, but it was, it was also aided by a lot of naive play on occasion. And, and they've recruited pretty well, like you say there, with Pearson coming in. Tom Lees has also come in another experienced centre-half and they've mixed that with the inexperience of Levi Colwell on loan from Chelsea and he's been very good. There's an injury doubt over him heading into heading into the game. He missed the Blackburn clash midweek, and, and we'll hear from Corbin tomorrow as to whether he's, you know, back in contention. And there's also been Lee Nichols added in goal and, and he's been a, a good addition. So I think that what Huddersfield have done is they've recruited well after sort of, you know, such a poor season last year. And they've recruited well with with players that you know that you're going to get sort of seven out of ten. In the championship with them, and, and that's been good for them. So at the minute, I wouldn't say that it's a particular weakness for Huddersfield. I think that if you know, you'll know yourself with with players like Pearson and I think that he's got obvious strengths as you mentioned in the air, but he's also got obvious weaknesses as well. I think if you get the ball in and around him on the deck, and somebody fast running at him, you know that's going to put a little bit of pressure on him. But the, the top and bottom of it is they needed to improve Huddersfield at the back, and I think that they have, and it's not something that stands out at the minute as as a real weakness in that side. And I'll just come to you on your thoughts on Corbaran because
3: he found things difficult last season as you said as, as the season wore on Huddersfield started to ship more and more goals. Is he sort of a big picture manager in your, in your book? Do you see him as a, as a man that's there for the long run and is trying to implement a style of football that you can build on?
5: Yeah I think, I think that that's a good way of putting it Billy. I think that when you hear the chairman, Phil Hodgkinson, speak about Corbin, he's he's got his unwavering faith and I, and I think that that's important. I think that he's brought him in, in uh, instead of the Cowleys and, and he's wanted to take the club in a different direction and I think he realises that that's going to be a long-term project and things just aren't going to change overnight. I think that that some of the methods that Coburn uses stem from Marcelo Bielsa and, and that's obviously difficult for for some players to pick up. And I also feel like Coburn's still maybe learning his way a little bit with that and, and sort of trying to discover what he is going to be as a head coach as he moves. He's got these ideas, but he, he needs to sort of find himself in, in sort of a senior management role as well. So it's, it's sort of like both clubs are, are in a sort of learning process. At, uh, both the club and the management are in a learning process at the minute. So I think he's definitely a, a longer-term project. But what I will say is he, he's had some tough times at field head coach. And, and I've been, you know, quite supportive of him in the fact that he's had some really, really bad injury and selection problems to contend with, plus a squad that's not absolutely filled with buckets of talent, you know, the likes of Josh Caroma and, and Sober Thomas stepping up out of the lower leagues. And when he's had everybody available to him, they've often competed in the Championship Huddersfield. It's, it's more a case when they've got a few bodies out that they, they tend to struggle. And both the contests last year
3: ended in one or draws. Is that something that you can see panning out again?
5: I'll come to you for your, your score prediction here. Um, Huddersfield haven't drawn many this season. I think that you've got to go back to Derby the opening day of the season for their last draw. So I would say that they may be due a draw. Um, and if you were going to ask me for a prediction, I, I might sit on the fence with that at the back of my mind. But I also look at the results that, that Huddersfield and, and Luton have I picked up this season and, I, and it, it really wouldn't surprise me if there was you know maybe a convincing winner one way or the other at the same time
3: yeah again as you say it comes down to that sort of unpredictability factor and, and really any scoreline is actually a good one here because it's, it's very difficult to to say I went for a 2-0 earlier and even after saying that about two hours ago, I'm I'm starting to change my mind, but I think I'll uh, I'll stick with it here.
5: Yeah, that's that's probably not a not a bad prediction. And, and given it's a Luton, Luton town, you know, focus, you've got to be positive, haven't you? I'll go I'll go the opposite way then, and I'll go for this convincing Huddersfield town away victory and, and go 2-0 that way.
3: Yeah, well, then, that's it then. It's going to be nil-nil. We've both gone for convincing wins and that's,
5: that tends to happen,
3: doesn't it, in football? Well, thank you anyway, Alfie, for joining me and we will speak to you later. Speak to you soon. A big thank you to Jamie, Stephen and Alfie all for joining me today. And also a big thank you for all the listeners for your continued support. Also make sure to check out our socials as we will be posting more regularly in the next few weeks.